what's up people welcome back to internash podcast i'm excited to have abhi bhoming today as our guest abhi works as a senior associate at pwc australia along with working as a part time tutor at unimelp in today's podcast we will deep dive into his journey on how he landed a job at one of the big four companies we'll also discuss the importance of networking and perfecting your resume to land a job as an international student so if you are also an international student looking to work in a big four company or just career advice in general this podcast is just for you so check it out thank you so much abhi for taking the time out and actually agreeing to share your story being an international student studying in one of the best university at university of melbourne and then working at big four definitely an inspiring story but why don't we start with your introduction why don't you tell us about yourself your journey and what you what you do now thanks dave it's uh, it's really an honor to be here today thanks for inviting me first of all uh so quick background about myself so my name is abi i'm from india my parents settled in delhi so that's where i grew up uh i did my btech from nit durgapur after which i worked at oracle for uh, four or five years and then i decided to take the step of doing my masters in australia which many fellow students uh, like us do as well and i decided to apply for melbourne university which i got through and i pursued a masters in information systems now i i came to australia in 2019 in july so as soon as we finished our first semester we went into lockdown um and then i graduated just after we we were getting out of lockdown so that is last year 2021 july so since then like you said i've been working at pricewaterhousecoopers um as a senior associate uh, and i work in the governments and public sector unit i love that yeah yeah that's that's perfect and it just crazy to think about because i just graduated so i graduated in july 2019 and we had like about 6 months of freedom and then 2020 was like everything is in a lockdown right and then yeah. i assume like from your second semester to fourth semester that would just be in the lockdown yeah. what was what was studying online like and how did you make the most of it uh i think in some ways i mean there there are pros and cons to both things uh, mm. for studying online i feel for me the study aspect personally i preferred online because i think i don't know maybe it's a very big stereotype but i did my btech in computer science in engineering colleges we have this habit of doing everything last second right yeah. so even when i started off here that's that's somehow that habit even after so many years like caught up with me and i used to end up studying at the last second mm. um so in a way having all the content online all the lectures online even the melbourne university did post their uh, lectures online earlier it did help in a way that i could study on my own free time um so that aspect definitely helped the the i think the biggest concept towards this is obviously you come to university trying to network trying to make friends especially if you're in a new country where you don't know too many people um and you make the best friends in life at university as well and i think all of us who joined around that time were sort of robbed of that opportunity i think that's one of the biggest cons um which i believe was a problem from studying from home and working from home or anything you're doing from home that you don't get that interaction which i think is as important when you're doing a masters apart yeah. from just yeah i am with you man and uh, that is something that a lot of people struggle with right if you talk about 
um, making new friends in a new country or even when even when you're going to the university it's not the easiest task to find people that you absolutely gel with absolutely love how did you make friends and do you have any tips for people who are listening to this who are about to start a university or are at the university how should they find the friends that they love or make best friends that's a good question so luckily fortunately we did have one semester in person um that made all the difference because the friends we made then stayed with us throughout the covid and obviously still friends now we still hang out now um but in terms of trying to make friends and network i think the best thing to do is apart from people in your own class obviously uh try to join as many clubs as you can i mean every university in australia or in fact anywhere if you go in the world uh, even in india and abroad um, there's so many clubs who take part in activities and you can just join a club which interests you. It can be regarding board games, it can be regarding books, it can like, you know, organizing events. And the chances are that you'll meet people you like because they're also there for the same interest, the common interest which connects you both. So I think those are the best ways to connect and make friends initially. And then obviously you keep expanding your network, go to networking events um, and just go outside your comfort zone and try to meet as many different kinds of people as you want. One thing I, I do notice is like when, I think that's just, that's just a natural habit. Like the first day of class, you tend to stick with people from your own country. It just gives you that comfort zone. Um, but I would definitely and very highly recommend to you know connect with people from other cultures, from other backgrounds, because that's the reason you're one of the reasons you you've come abroad is to you know get that exposure, and you can only do that if you uh, connect with people from different backgrounds. Yeah, I love that, and you're right. Uh, few of my first friends, everybody was from subcontinent, um, mm-hmm. so like very similar background that we have or like upbringing, and it makes sense, right? It's like a lot more comfortable to be friends with them but later on when you realize you also get um, a little bit out of your comfort zone as you very rightly said um you also mentioned about joining clubs and societies and um in your experience you have also volunteered and took some position in certain clubs and society so how was your experience doing that and all these clubs and societies don't really pay you so why did you do that yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, if you're joining a club, pay should never be the top priority. So joining clubs, one, is a good way to meet new people, especially if you're in a new country. Second, I have that habit of volunteering and joining clubs since school time. Uh, and I've always felt that it it provides a lot of opportunity for self-development. So if you're working on projects, you get to handle, you know, you learn skills which you can transfer to your job. Um, you go outside your comfort zone, you you learn something new when working in these activities, uh, definitely you socialize. Uh, so all these aspects are there. So th- the main reason I joined clubs when I came to Australia was I had a very good experience working in two clubs when I was doing my BTEC. Um, and I just wanted to carry that forward. It gives you a bit of change. Otherwise, you'll just end up studying and working part time. And you won't really have a balance. Um, and I think it's an important aspect to just do different things to keep yourself interested as well. So just pick a club you like, or it, and it's actually a very good um, way to learn something without actually committing uh, money or taking a proper course. For example, like if you're into coding, you don't need to know coding to join a coding club, but you'll be amongst peers who are good at coding and you'll learn from them uh, and you'll get the resources from them. And that's a very good way to learn a new skill as well. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing. You're right. Uh, some of the clubs that um, I had joined, even around gaming and stuff, right? And that is just purely to meet fellow gamers and just like have uh, an amazing time together. 
Um, what clubs were you part of and what are some of the positions that you have held um, while you were studying at University of Melbourne? Yeah, in my first semester, I joined ITSS, which is an Indian uh, club. Uh, and primarily, our objective was to spread the culture in Melbourne. Um, so we used to organize, you know, Diwali events, uh, Pujas, Gandhi Jayanti, things like that. Um, but unfortunately, after the first semester, it became very difficult to host events. Obviously, we were in Melbourne, especially in a very strict lockdown. So I wasn't a part of any clubs after that, but that's the only club I was part of. But after finishing my master's, I've continued volunteering. I'm part of a foundation called Illum, which also has the purpose of helping international students coming in, giving them the resources, uh, letting them know, you know, how to uh, to just make it in Melbourne uh, and, and in Australia overall. So I think it's just it's just that habit which is inside me and which I'll definitely recommend everyone to do. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, that is one thing we miss out on. Um, I mean, the activities were their clubs did try to do events online, but it's it wasn't the same thing. You're right. Making connection online is just genuinely hard. Uh, yeah. And especially like during COVID and everything, there's just so much um, stress that everybody was under um, mm -hmm. that it just made it really hard. Um, I also wanted to ask you about your part-time jobs. So while you were studying, did you try doing any part-time jobs and even during COVID? Uh, yeah, my, my part-time um, experience is quite long, which is, I think, a good thing. Um, so when we first came in, the situation was very different as it is now. So right now, if you come, I think, based on what I've seen, new students, um, getting a part-time job is very easy. Um, there's a very big skill shortage. During our time, it was very difficult. I remember uh, me and my friends used to go out handing CVs to restaurants and cafes to just give us any job which is possible so that we can you know make some rent money and it, it does become discouraging after a while because you get rejected from those jobs as well um and the, and it, it's the kind of experience most of us will not have back in india so it is just definitely discouraging but through networking again that's when networking is very important here i did get a job at a cafe so i was just a helping hand so that included you know serving food um getting stuff from the warehouse and again this kind of job was just to pay you know rent money but having said that i did learn a very important aspect at that job which is um, customer facing experience and handling such a pressure environment and dealing with tough customers is a skill no matter where you pick it up is very is transferable and that definitely helps me in my work at pwc today as well um just as i got that job again covid struck all hospitality jobs were mostly shut down um after that i fortunately got a few roles at melbourne university so i worked at the university itself i worked as um as a business analyst at the department of health and safety and the department uh, the faculty of business and economics so i held both teams there and after i finished my university i joined um PwC, but I still kept my link with Melbourne University, so I tutored there for two subjects. Uh, I didn't want to let that go, so I do that on the side. I love that, man, and and that is rare, right? Uh, getting a job at a university—it's not only like very high rewarding in terms of money, but also um, it's just a really good job to have, and not everybody uh, ends up getting it. So, how did how did you get a job at UniMel? Um, so are, are you talking about the tutoring or the, the jobs before? During the COVID. Okay, during the COVID. So during the COVID, Melbourne University has a few programs where they do intake new students. You, you have an application program, you go through assessment rounds, you have interviews, and you get in. 
and and that's where networking comes in so that was just for the very initial job but every role i had after that just came through referencing um there there's an uh, there's an inside portal in melbourne uni where inside jobs are posted you can apply for that and if your current manager refers you you get you get at least an interview in that job and those jobs aren't listed publicly so referral and networking definitely goes a big way the first job i got at melbourne uni was through the traditional method of applying and then going through the assessment routes but after that it was all very internal um, and you just have to just make connections not with the objective of getting a job in the, in the future but just having those meaningful connections because they can help you out in many different ways and you might have the chance to help somebody out as well in the future yeah i love that um you're right so they i think there is this stat which is like more than 50 percent of the jobs um mm -hmm. that are available are never listed on mm -hmm. any of the websites and they're just filled because of the references and i think the the number is like whenever i've read this the number is like so high and i was like how is this even possible but like i get it you know like uh even mm -hmm. when somebody wants to hire from like a company perspective it's always better to have like somebody who you can trust and references is something mm -hmm. that helps um quite a bit so mm -hmm. but you mentioned about like number one regarding your networking skill right which is like you kept in touch with people you network with people really well and not with the objective of getting a job but i want you to like dive more into it which is like what exactly did you do that that helped you strengthen those networks so if we if we were to like um dive down into certain skills what would you suggest? Yeah, uh, like you mentioned correctly, networking is sort of hit and trial thing. You won't get you, you won't get a hundred percent response back from everybody you reach out to, and which is normal. Everybody is very busy with their lives. Some people don't even check the notification. For example, if you're using LinkedIn as your networking um, tool, you might not get a response if you're looking out for a job. One thing I can guarantee is if you look, if you're reaching out to someone just with the objective of a job, there's a very low chance that you'll get a response back because most likely that person is getting a lot of people reaching out to them. Um, and on, like some people reach out to me as well, who just ask me to, you know, refer their CV to a job or a job they saw in, in our company. And uh, like, especially if you're busy, you wouldn't really want to do that because one, you don't know that person. And here, because like you rightly said, right, referral has a very big weightage. Just like it has for you getting the job, it also has um, an impact on the person referring you. Because if you're not referring good candidates, your um, the value of your word sort of goes down. So nobody really wants to refer anyone unless they're very sure that this person is a spot-on candidate. Um, and so people use the referrals really wisely. So I would definitely not recommend you know reaching out to someone regarding a job or regarding a referral. But if you're genuinely interested in a role, then you can reach out to that person to ask more about that role. Uh, you can say that, for example, if there's a job regarding product management, then you can ask, okay, what I, I, I read this about your product. It's really interesting. I had a few more questions. Would you be able to catch up over coffee to discuss this? And more more often than not, you'll get a, you'll get a positive response because it shows that you're actually interested in the company, in the firm, in the product, or the person you're reaching out to, and you're not just using them for a referral. So I think that's that's the key about networking here or anywhere else. Just try to make those valuable relationships and not have jobs as your um, you know, main objective. And I think this is the advice which everybody would give who has gone through this phase that you know make those meaningful relations. Um, apart from networking on LinkedIn, and I do understand it's very tough because networking is something we're not really taught at university, at school, um, and it's something you just learn on the go. So it, but it, it becomes a habit, it's just a skill. The first few networking events you go to, you might feel awkward 
you know, just talking to someone, but that's okay. At least you made the effort to go to that event. You'll see people network. You'll see what kind of questions people are asking and you'll pick that up and then you'll get the scale of, you know, um, speaking to people. So I think it's just getting out there, put yourself out, out of your comfort zone and try to make meaningful relationships and not be nervous at all. Um, it's okay, you can screw up. You might go up to someone and forget the question you wanted to ask. That's okay, you'll meet more people to network with. But just getting that habit, and it's not something you can do in one day. And meaningful relationships also cannot be built in one day. It takes time. I love that. I remember when I started going to networking events, uh, I remember this very specific. And first of all, I would not go alone. I need a friend to go with me and only then I would want to go and even when I go there I would still be like oh I don't know how to start a conversation I don't know how to like initiate this specific topic or how do I like just walk in or like stop them but then I realized that if you really want to talk to them and even if they're talking to somebody especially at the networking event not anywhere else but at the networking event if you're if you're just standing like at a safe distance they would just introduce themselves, you know, like you don't have to be right. close or whatever, but just like that is just people are really open to meet new people as well. So it's mm -hmm. in our head, which is like, oh, like, I don't know if they would want to talk to me, but like precisely the reason that they're there, they do want to meet exactly. me, right? So, so yeah, you're right uh, in sharing that. Now, finishing your university and going on mm -hmm. to um, getting a job at PwC. I'm sure like that, that wouldn't be as simple as it sounds. So why don't you tell us the journey? Like, for example, I also want to know, like, if if um, I am studying at uh, one of the universities in Australia right now, and I'm in my last semester or like two semesters ago, but I want to apply to PwC, how would that work? Yeah, um, so I think the main advice I would have is it's good to have an aim that I want to work for a big four company, which honestly wasn't my aim. Um, during that time in COVID, honestly, our aim was just to get a job. No matter what job, we just wanted a full-time job. Um, but the aim, should, you shouldn't keep your hopes up with one um, company. The reason being, it is very competitive here, mostly because we don't have a PR or citizenship that makes you not eligible for many of the jobs out there. So because of that main reason, many people, a lot of people are applying for the same job you're applying for. Uh, coming back to one step, we first started applying for internships, hoping that we'll get an internship, which will lead us to a, a full-time job. That also was very difficult, um, especially because COVID was going on. I remember me and my friends used to take two days to you know, make a perfect CV, a perfect um, cover letter, and then we apply and we get a reject within 40 seconds, generic email, thank you for applying. Um, but it's, it's mostly because your visa status doesn't meet the requirement. And that's very discouraging. So the main thing is you just keep on trying. Uh, I have a folder of like, so every time I apply to a company, I save that CV separately because you have to tweak your CV wherever you're applying for. You can't use the same CV to apply everywhere. It just, it won't stand out. So I have a folder where I have, I think 46 to 47 companies where I got rejected. And that's the same for mostly everybody who will be applying. So you just have to not lose hope and just keep applying because you just need that one job. And you will get it eventually. Everybody gets it if you try hard. It's like, I know many people say it's, oh, it's, it's too difficult. I don't think it's too difficult. You just have to keep on trying. Regarding big four, I had applied for the grad role initially. Um, and then I was taken off the grad role, but interviewed for the senior associate role. So I got a bit lucky in that sense. Um, but applying for the uh, grad role, I think, make your application seem genuine. Because so many people apply after a point when assessors look at CVs and 
cover letters. They can read it for five seconds and tell that did this applicant actually spend time applying for the for this particular role. Don't make it generic. Show your interest. And honestly, you shouldn't also apply if if you're not that interested in the role. I understand everybody wants a job, but then why end up in a job which you're not happy in? So make make your CV stand out by showing how is this job good for you and how is it good for the company as well. And if it's interesting to read, you'll definitely get a call for the interview. There's no reason where you won't. Um, and companies like PwC, they're very open to international students as well. So they don't have that PR requirement for grad roles, which is why many people apply in the first place. I love that. Uh, and thanks for sharing. It's so important to, to actually tweak your CV and your cover letter for every job that you're applying. Um, what would you say is actually important to tweak? For example, um, do you remember like some of the things that you kept in mind while applying? So uh, one of the things that I used to do when I was applying for marketing role is that my first para in, in a cover letter, my first para would be like my introduction as to like what's a little bit of the things that I've done and the projects that I worked on previously. But um, the second paragraph would be like how I and my experience is relevant to the company and relevant to the to the uh, job requirements that is out there. So similarly, did you have a format that you kept in mind? Yeah, certainly. Um, so there are two parts to it. One is a CV, one is a cover letter. Cover letter, just like you said, first you start with a very brief in introduction. Then my paragraph is usually about my past experiences, but highlighting what skills I've learned. People like companies, recruiters, they don't really care about brand where you work for. Obviously, if you're working at Google, Amazon, those brands stand out. But the, the assessors are more interested in the skills and how they relate to the job. So if you can pinpoint that in your cover letter, then you'll definitely get a call. So I worked in so-and-so company. I did so this, this, this. And I learned X, Y, Z skills, which will help me deliver on the role I'm applying for. Um, also talk about the tools, you know, um, like especially now that we're working from home, collaboration tools are very important. So if you already know that, that saves the company time from training you and you, you'll be ready to do your job immediately. So highlight those strengths which you have, which basically makes you stand out from other candidates who are applying. Regarding the CV, I always recommend coming out of grad, just apply for a CV, apply with a CV, which is only one page. Um, it's very rare that you have so much information that you need two pages. I still, after like seven, eight years of work X, I can still put my CV in one page. So you have to make it that succinct, but HR and HR will not look at it more than 10, 15 seconds. I can guarantee that because they have to go through a lot of CVs. So if you can make your stand out, if you can make it brief, brief and crisp, that's great. And you know, just not highlighting where you've worked or what you've done, but I think quantifying your achievements. Like if you, for example, have, uh, I don't know, deployed a system, just don't say I deployed a system. Say I deployed a system which reduced process times by 35%. Now that 35% stands out. It makes it look like an achievement. Um, and numbers definitely stand, stand out when you're reading a lot of text. So I think that's definitely one thing to take care of and make sure all the job description keywords are there in your CV. Because sometimes what happens, our CV go through an automated system and the system will compare how closely aligned your CV is with the job description. So you need all those keywords in there, but just don't put it in there arbitrarily. So it, like, it just looks random. Just try to put it in a very genuine way. And if you've actually done, done those things. Yeah, that's, that's super, super important because uh, some of the things that, you know, we keep in mind 
is that a lot of times, even I would just send one CV to everyone, right? And then we don't even know why we are getting rejected for all these things mm. or all these jobs. So when you uh, explain that, like, what are the things that we need to change? Um, that is something that is super important. Um, we're coming towards the end of our podcast. But before that, I wanted to know, so you have started before COVID, during COVID, and, you know, gotten a job after COVID. Do you have specific learnings that covid has taught you um i think the number one one is be resilient like covid showed us like you know that's something nobody would have predicted nobody could have guessed something like that is coming and it's entirely changed the way we work the way we live i mean two years ago i couldn't imagine taking a client call in my boxers that's something which is very common now right and there's a there's a different convenience with it as well definitely for us at least we are lucky especially if you're in it i'm saying or if you're in a job which can be done from home that's not the same for many other industries where, you know, it is impacting them a lot. So in that way, we are lucky. Um, but I think yeah, it's just to be resilient, pick up skills. Like if COVID has shown us anything, you need to be a very quick learner. If you're not comfortable collaborating online with other team members and getting their work done independently, that will put you at a, uh, like it, it'll be a, a, have a negative impact on you. Um, so it's picking up skills and also making sure that you don't lose that networking skill, like we mentioned before. If, because everything is online, something I, I, I see when I teach at university is if I ask students to write write an answer for 500 words, they'll do it very quickly. But if I ask them to speak those same, like like answer that question verbally, they struggle with that. That is because we're losing that connection of you know speaking to people. And, and that's really important because no matter what job you go for, you will have clients and you will have to speak to them. You won't be able to talk to them on chat all the time. Um, so I think it's just adapting to the changes every day. I'm sure there's going to be more changes as we speak in the coming years. Um, so just being like not going into that comfort zone and getting too comfortable. Just keep yourself out there, join the clubs, join different part-time jobs, talk to different people and just keep learning all the time. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, man, I love that so much. You're right. Like being resilient is one of the most important things. You're not going to get the job that you want all the time, or you're not going to get the part-time job that you have always wanted or a part-time job in your profession, right? Working in hospitality is nowhere close to your profession, but still you did that. And that taught you the skills, um, which obviously you could uh, apply later or even doing the volunteering roles um, are uh, super, super important. Um, and this is a question that uh, we ask at the end of our podcast. So for example, let's say Abhi had to go back to 2019 right now. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you would do differently? I think I would take less stress, definitely. I think one thing which I would tell myself is to keep calm. And apart from focusing on you know part-time job studies, give importance to your health as well. Because uh, burnout is actually a very real thing, which most people don't realize. So at one point, I was doing three or four different part-time jobs while doing my studying. And, and, and that time I could cope with it. But then suddenly after two years, you feel that, okay, it's becoming very difficult and it takes time to, you know, heal yourself. So it's better to just take care of your health, put it a priority, no matter how, how much you're working, just take at least one hour a day for exercising. I think that's, especially when you're working from home, because, you know, when you're working from home, you start at nine, you don't realize that it becomes seven o'clock in the evening. Uh, if you don't take your meals on time, if you don't work out on time, slowly, you won't be able to put, you won't be that productive as you were before. Um, and obviously that will hinder your career plans. So I think that's the one advice I would give myself is to take a break, um, focus on your health uh, and focus on family. 
I love that. Thank you so much for dropping so many bombs. I'm sure everybody who is listening to this podcast, they'd find so much value and all your answers and everything was so much to the point that um, I'm sure the audience would love it. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me here as well.